0: We're teaching that somehow there's some magic in the notation, the intervallcs there that produces the aesthetics of classical music. When it was always improvisation, it was always the inclination of the student to just go on the piano and mm-hmm. begin to play. Mm-hmm. That's the true birthplace of music, and and all of the composers really start there. And then they give us this other form that becomes what's glorified. But that's sort it's of good like point. It's, a good it's, point. it's 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 it's. it's, it's It's a crystallization, that's the best way I can say it. But it's
1: also necessary, because you have to trans, you have to, uh, your piece, Song for Humanity. Oh, wow. Did you end up writing for?
0: Wow! So, "Song for Humanity" was performed by the Boulder Symphony. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably sixty musicians strong there, and mm-hmm. then they had the Boulder Chorale, which is one hundred and fifty voices. Okay, so you got to synchronize were... all that stuff. I, I had the benefit of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony being performed on that concert, so of course they brought out you know the, the you know the full resource of the community um, to, to perform the piece. You know, thanks to Beethoven, but uh, it, was a, it was an amazing experience that piece.
1: So there has to be a certain synchronization and regimentation when you're when you're dealing with, or you know, when you're dealing with ensembles.
0: Yes. So it's under, it's
1: understandable why the classical tradition would say you know it's all there on the paper. The composers are there's the, the uh, conductors telling you how to perform it. Get in line.
0: This is true. And this is this has been my experience in the actual classical music world. So the conductor and the composer and what's written on, on the page is honored. And I think a lot of that does have to do with, you know, the composers that are being performed. So again, this music has a history, you know, whether it's hundreds of years or just being commissioned by a world-class orchestra. You know, the aesthetic of what we're going to produce as part of this music has to be guided by the best intentions of the composer and the conductor, and that's what's on the page. Yes, but at the same time, where's the real power there? Is it the fact that they're adhering to the music, or are they really trying to capture? Like, the best orchestras are going to find something that's not written there, and that's what makes them world-class mm. you know because if, if you know you can take a high school orchestra and play the symphony and they're gonna get the notes mm. they're gonna get the True rhythms no. but did they really get True the no. piece True no. you know so we're always striving to get beyond the page and I think there is something to be said about honoring you know what's written um, but again that that points to something that's 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 beyond what can be written William Grant still right the Dean of African-American composers
1: Uh, he's actually a relatively new discovery for me, which I, which is is deeply pleasurable in that he's, God, he's one of the great American composers and rather troubling that I'd never heard of him, you know, and I have some musical literacy, but, um, Three Visions, Summerland, the second movement, absolutely gorgeous piece. I'm sure you're familiar Mm -hmm. with it.
0: What's black about that? So, respectfully, that's the wrong question. Okay. I think a lot of times when we listen to music by black composers, there needs to be something black about it, right? Because it can be seen as an exotic feature if you're not used to seeing or accepting blacks within a particular art form. But But you have to understand that it's music if it's pastoral, if it's, if it's right. soothing, if it's of the aesthetic that we hear in Steele's piece, then that could bespeak any number of emotions and, 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 and thoughts and, and layers of nuance that are beyond the experience of just being someone who's black. Yes, it's important to, to honor that heritage and, and certainly still would be proud of, of being a black person, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be instilled in his piece anymore then we would expect a white composer to say, okay, well, what's white about this Mm, thing mm, that you just wrote? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I understand where the question comes from, Mm -hmm. but I think it comes from a place that is still trying to reconcile the black composer as opposed to just accepting the composer and therefore accepting the piece.
1: Uh, Still himself in the earlier part of his career used... uh, Black composer to his advantage, the the (laughs) Afro-American symphony (laughs) and and references to spirituals, and then there are other people like uh, R. R. Nathaniel Dent, who based Mm -hmm. his whole musical career on that sort of Mm -hmm. on that strategy. So, um, it's 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 an understandable question, Mm -hmm. but I can see how that the argument I hear you making is. when classical music is defined as a white creation and a white preserved, that is exclusionary by nature, and it's not true. So when you ask uh, when you ask of uh, a, a composition like so much of Still's writing, well, what's black about that? That's part of all that's part of that same strategy. It's exclusionary. When you have in front of you the evidence of an African-American composer who clearly, doesn't respect those boundaries and does that they ha- has no meaning for he's him.
0: writing a piece of music and right. he's expressing who he is and, mm-hmm. and and you know what that is but how about. widely
1: understood or accepted is that amongst the black community themselves do they not make I, the know, same I, mistake
0: I, I think it's it's widely accepted in the black community I think within our our culture we're very able to just appreciate the music I think the the larger boundary is with white culture because of the things that we've talked about because of them coming to it from a lens of, of this being exclusive to some story that they were told. That somehow, when you know, when they finally do get to experience that and and, and it starts to seep in the gravity of that, what they're like, Well, black people, are you aware of how amazing this is? Mm. We're like, Yeah, <laughs> you know, when, so but yeah, what, yeah. But, but when 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 black.
1: Music is presented to the younger generation. Mm-hmm. To jazz, it's 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 ragtime all the way up. You know, it's popular forms all the way up to hip hop.
0: Nobody talks about William Grant Still. Well, okay. So let's contextualize this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Okay, so William Grant Still was a young composer. William was in his twenties. He writes the stuff that we hear. Okay, so he was that was the hip hop thing. Then we get to jazz. That's its own thing that again, young people doing that. And now we have hip hop young people doing that and then there are other forms and genres. So I think I think it you know, it can be a little unfair to expect generations to just fully embrace the music of previous generations, even if that music is absolutely amazing. It does take a certain amount of education. It does take mm-hmm. a strategy, Absolutely. Absolutely. to mm-hmm. to introduce these art forms. So in the same way that I would introduce jazz, I'm going to introduce that to if I'm coming to a hip hop yeah, generation. Exactly. You're right. You're right. I got I got to first like right. come to them in the language of hip hop. Then I bring that in, and then I bring in the jazz. And, and if I'm coming yeah. to them, you know, with classical, same strategy, and then eventually they will they will come to it. I okay. should experience that I had. Uh, briefly, I was I um, uh, was with a producer friend, and his assistant was there, young young black guy. So we're both a little older than he is. He's basically been raised in hip hop, but mm-hmm. you know we were reviewing some of the music that we were writing for this film, and then we just started playing a whole bunch of old school, you know, music and and film music and just all this, and he just lit up. It was like he had discovered a whole new world. Yes. So I think the younger generation. They want this, they just don't know it exists. Right, right. But once they get a chance to finally get a full taste of it, they'll fall in love with it, you know, just like William did, you know? I'm even
1: older than you are.
0: Quite a bit older. And so jazz for me
1: was pretty widespread when I was growing up. One of the best-selling albums of the day was uh, uh, Dave Brubeck's Time Out and then Miles Davis. These were Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. These were best sellers of that. That doesn't happen anymore. You know, because jazz is like, not to say that it isn't a vibrant and living tradition still, but uh, uh, people who are coming up, unless they have a special interest, a special connection, I, I don't know if it's taught in the classroom, but um, uh, less than 5% of the uh, record market, or the recording market, is devoted to jazz these days.
0: Here's an interesting thing, though, to think about, Okay. okay. So, yes, jazz had, you know, its heyday where it was the most popular form of music. Jazz has a lot more competition today, right? But jazz and, by extension, classical music are some of the most sampled types of music in hip-hop. You're going to have to show
1: me where classical music is sampled.
0: As a matter of fact, one of the biggest, this is a bit of trivia, one of the biggest samples in hip-hop is is, is called an orchestral hit it's literally called the orchestra hit okay you know it goes all the way back to the 80s that is a sample of Stravinsky, I believe it's Firebird, mm-hmm. and but it doesn't sound like Firebird because it's just that it's just one hit. Or maybe yeah, I think it's Firebird. But anyway, that one hit into being a sample that it was. I think oh, what is even I mean it a hit? I mean, a, it's a hit. So so an orchestral hit when every instrument in the orchestra plays, you know, one note at the same oh, time okay, and okay. plays sort of a this okay. big blast it's like right. a there's right. you know, like a, uh, a huge uh, fire boots no filled so, with those at the end right You get this big hit. That hit gets sampled, and it becomes like this big hit that was right. resampled during the '90s. Right. And there's a whole doc on this on right. YouTube. Cool. But the point is, you know, I think audiences, you know, that listen to sampled music, that listen to uh, these forms that are beyond jazz, are still getting the, the the rhythms and the melodies. Melodies. They're just getting them in these these compartmentalized forms. And so they, they, they do, do appreciate the aesthetic, it's just the medium of delivery has now changed. and I, You know, there does have to be some work to, to do in terms of bringing the full piece back into life beyond the sample. But even just the, the idea that the sample is that attractive, that it's the thing driving right, these, right, right. you know, th- that, th- that energy, that love is still there for that sound, that sound that is jazz.
1: More classical,
0: or classical, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, okay, I I want to I want to wrap up with uh, a, a point, something I've learned in the course of this conversation, and then you get to have the last word. Um, so, um, you've kind of you've you've shown me where the thinking, the compartmentalized thinking, which I grew up with and which I accepted as you know, fact, you know, this, uh, this history that I uh, wrote about in the article. I see where that is part of the problem and not part of the solution. Somehow those names that I mentioned and that history needs to be known and I don't see where the counter narrative has been written yet. So there's that. The other thing is that um, as a result of the miseducation, if you will, of the populace in general about classical music, it has not been sufficiently integrated into an understanding of what black music is.
0: Oh. Wow. Robert, I think, that's, I think that's a profound realization. I'm glad you were able to come to that. I think these kind of conversations are very important because what they do is first they explore just the humanity of these questions. We are curious about how things come to be. We are our lovers of history. We're trying to sort out what it means to have gone through the past that we've shared. And at the same time, there is a lens that can filter what that is. And, and uh, I think at the core of that is a heart for the music and a heart to, to Discover where it comes from. <laughs> I think that's really what we're trying to get at. You know, when we look at, you know, blacks and classical music. When we look at blacks and the other genres that we talked about, jazz. If you want to go all the way up to hip hop, there is something very powerful there. And often, it it, it does come out of a, a sort of through a struggle, through a protest. And like, okay, how does that meld into the bigger history of what it is? At the core of that it's their people expressing themselves despite. Yeah. I and mean, you can put after that yes. ellipsis there. And that and I think that's something that we can all tap into, you know. So um, if there's anything that, that, that you give from me, that's the part that I'm looking at first though. What what were they expressing? Because I think about black composers, and as a black composer, the thing that would be most important to me is the legacy of my music and what that music was trying to express. Mm-hmm. And I know that eventually that's going to be beyond me. Like, it's not 100 years from now, I will have no say. But you don't say write for the future. In. I don't write for the future, but I do. I know, I understand, I understand that lineage. Mm-hmm. I, I write for the future in the same way that Beethoven did, mm-hmm. you know? Because at some point, someone's going kind to of come to this and then they're gonna say, "What is this? And how do I how do I um, how do I integrate myself with it?" You know,
1: in a tradition,
0: it, in or a tradition, or, or 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 just as a person, or or you know, as a, as a symphony. You know, people people live vicariously through musical experiences, and so it's we're we're, it's the, we're the original high in that sense. We're we're giving people a feeling. We're giving people an emotion. We're giving them you know uh, a, a wave to ride and if you if you create that experience for people they're gonna they're gonna want to know what that was so I think you know whatever I put to the page I want that to be conveyed and since those composers are not here to sort of make that argument for themselves we have to make that argument for them sometimes we can't let them get, caught, lost in the, the sauce of what was around them, mm-hmm. we got to get to the core mm-hmm. of what they were really trying to
1: do. Mm-hmm. So, for the ancestors, huh? For the ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Rosane. It's a great Just conversation.
0: Thank you, yeah, I enjoyed it.